Welcome to the Church of the Redeemers Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. Thank you, God, for how you continue to watch over us and keep us. Thank you for your manifold blessings that you have continued to shower down upon us. Strengthen us by power divine, in Jesus' name, amen. As I stand before you today, I want to do a, a self-reflection of I remember not too long ago that after each service, we would always have fellowship. Some of the deaconess would bring me my tea. Deacon Nick sometimes would bring me a bite to eat to see if I wanted something to eat. We would do that after every service. I remember those days. And I'm sure you do too. But we're in a different place now. And I'm grateful for all that God has done. And I did that reflection because I want you to know that I'm thankful. Thanksgiving is coming and it's not about the turkey. We may not all have the family that we normally have but I'm just so grateful that we're yet alive, that none of you are in the hospital, none of you are on a ventilator. You walked in today under your own strength. And even though we can't congregate together like we used to, God is still on the throne. So today I'm just telling you I'm thankful I'm in anticipation of what he's going to do and what he's doing in the midst of where we are. Minister Pfeiffer and Reverend Pfeiffer said that we done got caught up on all this new stuff. It's getting old. Election is done. Electoral College has made their decision. We just want to be thankful for what God had already done in the midst of where we are. So, Redeemer, those of you that are listening, I miss you. I miss seeing your face. It's hard enough to preach to an empty church, but I know that you are there because God is faithful in the midst of where we are. So today, I just want to say we love you. We're grateful for what God is doing. Rest on your feet today. I want to read a short passage of Scripture from the Book of Judges, the 16th chapter. I know I'm not going to be able to do its justice, so I'm going to read verses 18 through 21 for your hearing. This is the book of Judges, the 16th chapter. Samuel, who was the last judge for the children. And it reads as follows. It says, and when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, 
for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistine came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man and she calls him to shave off the seven lots of his head. And she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bought him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. In that same chapter, verse 16, chapter 16, chapter 16 verse 5, it says, and the Lord of the Philistines came unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth. See, people want to know the source of your power. Verse 6 says, And tell me, I pray thee, where thy great strength lieth. This is Delilah nagging Samson, and the only way people will know your secret is for you to tell them. So today I want you to think with me from this thought. You don't know what you have until it is gone. You, you don't know what you have until it's gone. Why do we often take for granted the very things that deserve our gratitude the most? We do this with people and also with possessions. The problem is many people do not realize this until the situation has come and passed. We take things for granted on a daily basis, always with the assumption that whenever we need something, it will always be there. There are many things we fail to realize the true value of until they are missing from our lives. Think about technology, the internet, and your cell phone. You do not realize how valuable your cell phone is in your life until you have to go for a few days without it. Enjoy the things, the little things in life, because someday you will realize they are the big things. I remember in the beginning of this pandemic, all the sports, all the entertainment, all the talk shows, you name it, it was all canceled or put on hold. The only thing that was being reported live was the news. People say you don't know what you got until it's gone. The truth is, you know what you have. You just never thought 
you would lose it. I pray this message will resonate with somebody today. Stop thinking because you're young, you have all the time in the world. Stop blaming your job for the reason you are so busy. Stop listening to unproven principles and ideology that sounds good but have no meaning to help govern your life. Stop that foolishness. What you have now was once everything you struggled to attain. Just because something becomes repetitive does not mean it needs to be replaced. Think of how lucky you are to have someone you be have to have someone you can be completely comfortable around. That is true gift and one that should be cherished all the time. Don't think they take these things for granted. Appreciate all the things you have in life because you never know when that time will end. Clear the clutter inside your mind and realize what you have right now. What you have right now at this moment. Don't wait until you have lost it to find out, to finally see how much you took it for granted. Don't wait until you realize that without it, your foundation to make it through each day begins to crumble. Someone else is happier with less than what you have. However, on the flip side, you can only want something when you haven't gotten it. If you had it back, you would only get fed up with it, all the bad parts up again, and start wondering why you wanted it back in the first place. It is always amazing to me when you lose someone, you tend to remember the good parts. When you are with them, you tend to notice the bad parts. See, happiness will never come to those who fail to appreciate what they have already. See, there are times in each of our lives when we think that God is not with us, and there are times when we think that God is with us. And at times when we think that he is with us, he isn't. And at times we think that he isn't with us, he is. See, this book of Judges today aims to demonstrate that defection from Jehovah God incurs severe punishment and enslavement. Here we find Samson was called by God to be a Nazarite, and his parents were given specific instructions on what to do and what not to do. To take the vow of a Nazarite means to avoid any contact with grapes or the drinking of wine. Never touch a dead body of any kind. Let your hair grow and never cut it. No razor shall come upon his head. This was a way of outwardly demonstrating to the world that this man was under a special vow. That's why the Bible is clear. It says, come out from among them and be ye separated, said the Lord. 
See, you need to separate yourself from stuff. Separate yourself from people that keep you bound. Separate yourself from the things that come between you and God. Because God is a jealous God. God is a holy God. And whatever you spend more time doing versus spending time with him, God becomes jealous because that becomes your little God, your small G God. We have to remember that this God that we serve, Samson, he was a hero of the Jewish nation, known known specifically for his supernatural strength. He was the modern-day Hercules. He was strong enough. He was the superman of that time. He was a mighty man of God who was blinded by his sin and did whatever he thought was right in his own sight. See, the grace of God sometimes delivers his servants from the consequences of their folly and sin. That's the grace of God. That's what God does because he loves us. Samson was enticed by a woman to betray his power given by God. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh combined to grip Samson and make him a slave to his passion. See, whatever you love the most, that's where your heart really is. You say, well, that's just my hobby. No, that's what you love. That's in reality. There's an old saying that's true. You never miss the water until the well runs dry. See, a plain explanation of this, you have failed to appreciate something while it is abundant, and the expectation is you will continue to fail to appreciate it until there is no more of it available. That's what that means. That's also true spiritually. In fact, our story, Samson lost the power of God in his life and didn't even know it. He didn't even know that God had left him. See, God sometimes leads us, and we don't even know it. It is a bad thing when God leaves us, but we are in a bad shape when God leaves us, and we don't know it. And how many churches today are apathetic, complacent, accepting and making excuses for sinfulness and worldliness How many of us have continued in business as usual, same routine, same rituals, and aren't aware that Almighty God has removed himself from our situation? Now look back at verse 20, and it says, But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. You see, the word departed in that verse, it literally means to turn off, 
to turn aside. In other words, God had turned him off. When it came to Samson, God had turned aside. But why? Why did God turn aside or turn off Samson? And if God turned him off, does that mean that God can turn us off? And the answer is yes. God can turn us off individually and collectively. Haven't you not put a hedge of protection around him? This is what Satan said to the Lord about Job. So if God put a hedge of protection around Job, that means God will put a hedge of protection around us. And only God can remove that hedge of protection. So that's why I mean that God can turn us off. God can leave us for a moment and we not know it. And the reason that that takes place, God will remove his hands of blessings and strength from Samson. And Samson didn't know it. What is What a frightening thought to think that God will remove that from us. That we can be so busy in our activities. We can see, be so busy attending Bible study, going through the motions of worship, living our life, doing our thing, and God's power can re be removed without us even knowing it. That's a frightening thing. What makes Christians today think we are better than others because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But we can also grieve the Holy Spirit by what we do, by what we think, and by what goes out of our hearts. So today I want to address two points that I see in this text for you. The first thing I want us to see is to be careful of compromising. Compromising always sounds good, but we have to be careful of compromising. See, God holds his people responsible because we are in a position where we can either draw people towards God or we can drive them away. Listen to me. God holds you accountable. We can either draw people to him or you can drive people from him. This is not about compromising. Samson had already broken some Nazarite vows. So it was easy to break the rest of them. See, when you break a few, no big deal. You might as well go and go and break the rest of them. He met a woman he loved and fell into sin. I didn't say fell into love, fell into sin. He felt he loved this woman. He felt that he could have any woman that he wanted. The beginning of the text said this woman was a harlot. That tells me that she loved money more than she loved him. But sometimes we're so blinded that we can't see that because of our internal thirst and desires. She was friendly with the Philistines and plotted against Samson. And Samson compromised 
a little at first, so the next time it was, wasn't as difficult to compromise. See, when you compromise a little bit, it's not even hard to do it again the next time. See, passion had gripped him. Sin had rendered him incapable of feeling, and he was unable to act rationally. That's when you know that you're in trouble. When you can't even think rationally because of those bubbly desires that sexual lust that's inside of your heart is greater than what God has given you. We can't help it when Satan and his demons tempt us, but we can be tempt, we can tempt ourselves and we become our own worst enemy. Like Delilah, Satan is screwed. He eases into our life a little at a time. He doesn't bring in the conqueror for us to see. He keeps them outside, then brings them in when he has soothed us to sleep in sin. Notice the text says that when he put his head in her lap, I don't know if she gave him some type of portion to make him sleep, but he laid his head upon her knee. This is what Satan does. He disguises himself. Then at the proper moment, he comes into our house and overpowers us. See, Satan will conquer us like Delilah conquered Samson. And if we don't protect ourselves by studying God's holy word, we will put ourselves in a lot of trouble. So again, I say to you, be careful of compromising. The second point, we are chosen by God. God says we are royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. God needed a man to deliver his people out of the hands of the Philistines. Samson was that man. An angel of God spoke to his mother, who was childless. The angel told her about God's plan to deliver his people. She was instructed to take the vows as a Nazarite. She was instructed how to raise her son. And each of us have been chosen by God. We may not have the strength of Samson, but we have the same God as Samson. And he expects the same things of us that he expected of Samson. Sometimes we sell ourselves short. We always try to negotiate with God. God, I, I can't sing like uh, Minister Tamika, so that's why I just clap my hands. I can't pray like Deacon Nix, but I do nod my head every now and then. I can't preach like the preacher God, but I do say an amen. We have to understand that we are in need of the same hope that Samson needed. For without our even realizing it, Satan has done to the Christians of America just what the Philistines did to Samson. 
Satan has shaved us bald. He has blinded us, enchanted us, and placed us on the treadmill to grind out food for the evil empire that he has. We are even worse off than Samson. For by and large, we are ignorant of the pitfall conditions. We only have a vague sense of being caught up in a shallow, shallow lifestyle which offers little rest, little satisfaction, and little fulfillment. The worst of it is, as believers, we are caught up in the world of making excuses. We can't see our past, we can't see past ourselves to realize that this season of Christianity, God is not going to wait much longer for us to get ourselves together. Spiritually, we have followed exactly in Samson's footsteps. Just look at how divided this world is. You want to support a heathen. You want to support somebody that lies continuously. You want to believe that this is your deliverer. We too have looked to our neighbors and fell in love with their prosperity, their lifestyle, their possessions. And just like Samson, but day after day, the demands of our high pressure, high living lifestyle occupy the lion's share of our time and energy. Though outwardly, outwardly we become increasingly wealthy, inwardly we become increasingly dissatisfied. This only causes us to work harder, thinking that more success will bring more fulfillment. That's not a true view of what God is saying to us. See, the very job we slave at are targeted at promoting the same greedy, self-centered lifestyle that we ourselves are involved with. In the end, our attachment to the world values costs, costs us to betray the secret of our spiritual growth. See, our secret is not long hair, but rather what the hair really represents. For Samson's hair was connected to his head, but our head is Christ. Just as Samson's strength was lost with the connection was severed, so our spiritual strength is lost when our connection to the head is broken. See, our worldly objectives have put us into what I see as a spiritual slumber. Samson gave up the secret of his strength, and we have given up our secret time with God in favor of worldly pursuits. We don't know what we have until it's gone. I'm done, but I got to tell you this story. One day, a father of a very wealthy family took his son on a trip with the firm purpose of showing his son how poor people really live. They spent a couple of days and nights on the farm of what would be considered a very poor 
family. On the return from the trip, the father asked his son, he said, son, how was the trip? The son replied, he said, it was great, dad. The father said, did you see how poor people live? The son says, oh, oh yeah, dad, I, I saw it. The dad says, well, tell me what you learned. The son answered, he said, I saw that they had one dog. And we, that, that we have one dog and they have four. He said, we have a pool that reaches to the middle of the garden, dad. But they have a creek that has no end. He said, I saw, dad, that we have important lanterns in our garden for light. But they have the stars at night. He said, I saw, Dad, that we have a patio that reached from the yard. He said, but they had the whole horizon. He says, Dad, I also saw that we have a, a small piece of land to live on, but they have fields that go beyond our sight. He said, Dad, we have servants who serve us, but they serve others. The boy father was speechless. The father said, well, what the father thought was poor living was a wealthy, richest man in the eyes of his son. See, things are not always what they appear to be. See, our struggles in life develops our strength. Without struggles, we never grow. We never get stronger. We cannot be governed by yesterday, for tomorrow is not promised to anybody. Don't judge people before you truly know them. Samson became enslaved by his cravings. He, strained, he strangled a lion, but couldn't strangle his lust. He broke ropes, but was bound by his appetite. He burned the enemy's crop, yet was inflamed with the desire for a woman. Sometimes we don't know what we have until it's gone. And I want you to understand that we have to appreciate what God has given us because tomorrow is not promised. We got to love our parents now because we don't know when God will call them home. How many home-going services have you been here? Everybody always has a lot to say when you're gone. That's why we have to give our people their flowers while they can yet smell them. Don't regret what you've done here on earth. As I look at this story, is there hope for us when we go astray? Yes, God can bring us back and use us in spite of our weaknesses. See, the heart of the gospel message is a promise of grace. The heart of the gospel message is a promise of reconciliation. The heart of the gospel message is a promise of restoration. When Jesus said, I'll be lifted up from the earth, he said, I will draw all men unto thee. There was a promise that whosoever will shall come to him, that salvation is theirs. The doors of the church are open. Is there one that listening to the call? If you don't know Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sins, all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus 
Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Salvation is yours. You don't know what you have until it's gone. We got to stop living on the promises of others, but live on the promises of him. He said, whosoever will, let him come. Is there one today? That before we get to the Thanksgiving day, be thankful for this day, for this is the day that he has made. And we want to rejoice and be glad in it. Is there one as they sing? Is there one? We extend invitation. Is there one? Sing, my sister. He saves. Yes, he does. The utmost Jesus saves. He will pick you up and turn you around. Hallelujah. 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 Say One more time. To the utmost, Jesus saved. To the utmost, to the utmost, Jesus saved. He will pick you up. He will pick you up. And turn you around. And turn you around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to have our benediction. Let us look to the Lord. Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for another Sunday worship experience. Thank you for musicianship. Thank you for the songs that were sung, God. Thank you, God, for continuing to breathe on us, God. And God, we're just giving thanks in advance for what you're going to do. For we know that it's not in our turkey, it's not in the dressing. It's not in the dinner, God, but it's in your faithfulness, God. So we're grateful. So I pray over the church right now, God, that you would just keep your hedge of protection around each and every one of us, God, as we walk worthy in the vocation in which we're called, God, that you would strengthen us by power divine, God. Give us the shield, God, not the shield, the shield of faith, God. Continue, God, to make us worthy of you. In Jesus' name. Let us stand for our benediction. Thank you, Jesus.